Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, it's been an interesting few days since Mac Brown took over as UNC's head coach. Have you been able to sleep at all over the last, like, basically week, man? Yeah, yeah, sleeping has been fine. It's just, um, <laughs> for me, I guess, uh, it's been busy days, for sure. Very, very busy days. But, uh, yeah, things usually die down by the time it comes uh, to uh, hit the bed. So I've been good with that. There you go. That's good to hear, at least. Well, let's go ahead and start with the staff additions, Don. Just as like a roadmap for this podcast, and no guarantees that we're going to stick to it, but we'll be talking about uh, the staff additions, the decommitments, and then also the recruits that Mac Brown saw. But just generally, let's go ahead and start with the addition of Tim Brewster to the staff. And you know, Don, I think this was viewed pretty much unanimously as a positive by the UNC fan base because Brewster's ability as a recruiter, we've seen it and he's widely regarded. In your opinion, though, what are your thoughts on Brewster's recruiting acumen? And then what do you think his addition to the staff will bring to UNC? He's an ace recruiter. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty, I guess, simplistic way to put it but I mean that's that's what he is I mean he's a guy that you can count on whatever area he is going to be responsible for he's going to do a really good job of pulling out all the top recruits from that area and I mean we're so far um, from actually I guess uh, finding out what areas I don't think the coaching staff has realized you know just what areas it's probably until the coaching staff is finalized they won't determine who has what areas but um I think he's going to make a huge impact for North Carolina. And, you know, my focus always is on recruiting. And obviously there are basically two sides to an assistant coach, their ability as a coach and their ability as a recruiter. As a recruiter, you know, you don't get much better than uh, Tim Brewster. What do you think specifically about Brewster stands out? Is it his personality, his drive? Like, what do you think does kind of lend to him being that ace recruiter that you said, Don? Well, I think it's both of those. I think it's the fact that he has a passion for recruiting, which is important because, as we've talked about, recruiting can be just, I mean, it's its a lot of work. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, days where you're working from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed sort of thing, uh, especially this time of year. Um, so you have to have that passion that kind of keeps you going with recruiting. Uh, he's also really good at, at uh, developing relationships with people. And, and, that, and we've talked about a bunch of times just how, how important relationships are with recruiting. So, I mean, he has all the aspects. And, and I mean, he's, you know, he's your typical tireless recruiter. Well, and I've been impressed with how on the social media campaign, Brewster and um, and Mac and the rest have really been hitting the North Carolina coaches. And, you know, you saw that he tweeted out that they promised a Tar Heel coach will be in your school to basically all of North Carolina high school coaches. Now, whether or not that actually happens, we will see. But I thought the most interesting part of that was Brewster said, quote, our door is always open in Chapel Hill. 
Don, the relationship with UNC coaches is something that we've talked about a lot. We heard a lot of scuttlebutt on the message board about how, you know, maybe Fedora's staff wasn't necessarily connecting with high schools and the coaches there, but it really looks like Brewster and Mac are trying to reverse that. And if there were any bridges that were burned, they're doing their absolute best from the get-go to make sure that those are rebuilt. Yeah, I think right now the focus is to get a grasp on this recruiting class, the 2019 class. I, I, I definitely believe that establishing a relationship with the high school coaches in the state of North Carolina is definitely a huge priority. Uh, but I just think timing-wise, they're not going to have a chance to work on that until probably January because mm-hmm. – I mean, there are there are guys who have yet to hear from UNC, um, and it's not you know UNC is just sitting on their hands, you know, not doing anything. Uh, it's the fact that the staff is shorthanded at the moment, and they're going all over the place. And, and you have coaches who are still kind of uh, learning what recruits are important, um, learning about those recruits and all of that. So there's a lot of other. Uh, important things and also I mean there's there's been and we'll get into this a little bit but there's been some reaching out to guys who've been committed to other schools for a very long time so these are guys who normally North Carolina wouldn't be checking in with but are and spending a lot of time with them to try to see if it truly is worth their while in um, you know pursuing those guys so there's so much going on but I definitely believe that uh, in January the staff is going to spend a whole lot of time making sure that every high school in North Carolina receives a visit from a UNC coach. And really, I mean, in, in Fedora's first couple, maybe even first three years, that was something that, that definitely happened. All the high school coaches received a visit from a UNC coach. But it is something that I won't, I'm not going to say every area because um, some assistant coaches definitely took pride in visiting every one of their high schools. But there were some areas in North Carolina that were neglected uh, because they're – their assigned assistant coach for whatever reason, you know, maybe didn't visit certain schools. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's definitely some, some uh, bridges that need to be rebuilt and that sort of thing. And uh, I, I just think that that's going to be a January item that's going to be handled then. Well, I think if recruiting staff wasn't visiting certain schools, it was probably the ones that you're looking at, Don, like what the 1A, 1AA schools, like, you know, yeah, yeah, the, the schools out in like uh, Northeast, North Carolina, where, you know, you have like a, a student body of 36, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, I, I, you know, I think, and that's probably the Eastern part of North Carolina is probably one of the areas that, and probably even Western North Carolina were probably the areas that were neglected the most. And a lot of that is just, you know, there's some schools who have never had a recruit and, um, you know, and, and it's, it, it, you might, and I know this is because I do a lot of traveling within the state and I go to high schools. Um, my, my, my needs and everything at each high school are a little bit different, but, um, you know, when I know if I'm going to Charlotte, for example, I can easily hit up six schools in one day without a problem just because mm-hmm. everything's so close. But there are times where I'm going to, you know, uh, Eastern North Carolina and, I'm only going to get two schools in just because of the distance, you know? Um, so that's definitely, it kind of plays into it with, you know, the, the distance and, and all that. Well, so let me ask you this, Don, and this is just your personal opinion. Has UNC ever had in the time that you've been covering them, a recruiting combo on the same level as Brewster and Thigpen with those two assistant coaches? Yeah. I'm, you know, 
there was definitely some really good recruiters on Butch Davis' staff. There was a time for, I guess, a few months where UNC had had uh, Gunnar Brewer, who I think is an unbelievable recruiter, definitely on the level of Tim Brewster and Thigpen at the same time. And also you throw in Coach Cap, who I think is an underrated recruiter. But you you want to talk about someone who all the high school coaches loved in his area. He's he's a guy. I mean, you talk to any of those coaches in his area, they, they will only say, say great things about uh, Coach Cap. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there have been times where North Carolina has had, you know, duos like that that, that can um, you know, get stuff done. I mean, you, you know, during the Bush Davis area, I know, I know no one wants me to bring up the name John Blake, <laughs> but, I mean, he was an unbelievable recruiter. And you just look at the results, regardless of how shady they were, he got results, and he was on the staff with Tommy Thinkpen also. And, you know, I, could, I definitely consider John Blake an ace recruiter, even though his uh, – he didn't always do everything above board. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, it, it's an unpleasant memory. But I mean, like you said, Don, the reality is that uh, Blake did get a lot of high profile recruits to UNC. I, mm-hmm. I think the difference is with Brewster. You know, I've never heard him brought up as as being kind of on the shadier side. Uh, everything I've read on him is that he's very above board. And just like you said, he gets his results by his tireless work ethic and just his really good personality. Yeah, I mean, there's always usually whenever there's a, a recruiter who has success, there's always a little bit of a cloud around them, just mm-hmm. because everyone assumes, okay, you are you're successful, so you must be cheating at some degree. So you do hear that, regardless of you know, I, I think every ace recruiter has that a little bit, and it, and most of the time I say it's unwarranted. All right, well, let's get your final thoughts, Don, on just the kind of foundation that Mac Brown has established right now as far as coaches and recruiting acumen. We have Brewster, Thigpen, Mac. It looks like Gillespie and Scott may be retained from Fedora staff. Mac has not hired yet a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator, but just when you're looking at it right now, we're, we are recording this on Sunday, December 2nd, how do you think that the staff is shaping up overall as far as recruiting is concerned? Well, you, you left out uh, Tim Cross, the defensive line coach. That That's was right. Today. Yep. Um, and, and Tim I Cross. Think, I think from a recruiting standpoint, you definitely have a good basis with, with Tommy Thigpen and with Brewster. And really, you know, talk about underrated guys. And, I, and I'm ashamed to not even mention Chad Scott is an unbelievable recruiter. And he's a guy who is going to be an all-star I think he's an all-star now, but I think eventually people are going to take notice of him more and more because a lot of recruiters like to make sure all the information is out there, make sure that you know that they're involved in whatever recruitment. Chad Scott's the opposite. He likes to kind of work in the shadows, and he was hugely instrumental in, for North Carolina in landing William Barnes and Antoine Green last year. There's been other guys that, you, that he has worked tirelessly. You want to talk about tireless recruiter, that's him. But he, like, like I said, the average fan's not going to notice just because Chad Scott does not want the recognition because he doesn't want, I guess, the enemy to know who they're going against sort of thing. And then Gillespie has done a lot of great things as a recruiter. He hasn't had too much of an impact at North Carolina yet, but at his prior stops, he's been an excellent recruiter. With Gillespie and Chad Scott, it's kind of up in the air if they're going to stay or if they're just kind of holdovers until this class gets finished. But if we're going to include those two with Tommy Thigpen and Tim Brewster, I think you have a really good foundation of good recruiters. Because, you know, if we're just being honest with ourselves, you're not going to have 10 ace recruiters on staff. It's just not going to happen. But to have four potentially ace recruiters, I mean, that's that's a pretty good basis to work with as far as 
with your recruiting efforts. Now, I do think now this is not really I, it's 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 recruiting related, but it's not. I know that a lot of recruits I've spoken to, they really want to know what North Carolina is going to do with the coordinators. And mm-hmm. while the coordinators typically don't have like a huge impact as far as actually physically recruiting, you know, that's just kind of the nature. Most you, you rarely find a recruiter who's um, an unbelievable. I mean, I'm sorry, you rarely find a coordinator who's an unbelievable recruiter. It's just kind of how it is. And usually coordinators have smaller territories and everything. But the recruits want to know what sort of system you're going to be running. And the only way to get a good gauge on that is to know who the recruit, who the coordinator is going to be. So that's, that's something that I think um, Mac Brown needs to figure out pretty quickly. If it wants to move forward with, with some of, some of these uh, players, particularly the, the higher profile recruits. Well, and I think that's especially true of quarterback and you exactly. Yep. And, Read my and mind. just to, just to kind of add on to that, yeah, I've talked to uh, his dad, Duke Hal Bunch, uh, who are really the past few weeks, really, but this week in particular. And the one thing I found interesting is he he always asked me if I know what's going to happen with the uh, the offensive coordinator spot. So that that clearly is a huge, um, I guess, huge factor in what Sam's going to do. Now, you know, we've talked about it, uh, how you know Sam is essentially said that he's going to sign with Florida State. Uh, I think that door's open a little bit, and I think the only way that North Carolina kind of kicks that door completely open and jumps inside is if it lands an offensive coordinator that uh, that the Hals think very highly of. So that, that's a great example. Yeah, and you know, as we've said before, Sam is that type of recruit that can really turn around the current class because I think it's important, Don, that we put a little caveat here that when we're talking about the the recruiting acumen of the coaches, you know, I don't think it's fair to expect results in this class, especially with a national signing day, what, 17 days away, two, two and a half weeks away now. So I think it, it, you, Carolina fans need to be patient and hopefully see the benefits starting with next year's class. But let's go ahead and talk about the 2019 recruiting class Don, in, in a little bit here. But for right now, let's take a quick commercial break. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Heels Travel. They are a valued IC podcast sponsor, and earlier in the year, they received rave reviews for their travel package for the UNC versus Cal game earlier in the fall. If you missed out on that one, you still have the chance to book your package with Heels Travel because they are selling one to go see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. To book that package, you can call 336-855-0060 to book, or you can visit HeelsTravel.com. Now, that trip includes round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport, and a two-night stay in the Omni Chicago. It's right on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, and it's also the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying. That's a pretty cool experience for you and the family. So that price and inclusions are offering at the Omni Chicago are even less than if you booked it directly. It's going to be a great chance to see your Tar Heels take on an opponent on a big stage and explore a great city right around Christmas time. So again, call 336-855-0060 to book or visit HeelsTravel.com. That's 336-855-0060 or visit HeelsTravel.com to book today. 
And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. So, Don, when we left off, we were going to go ahead and switch over to the current 2019 recruiting class. And I think the talk here has to begin with the decommitments that UNC has had. I think at last count, Don, with Raekwon Anderson deciding to decommit, it is, is it four or five total now that have decommitted? Okay. It, is, it is five, and I was kind of we we kind of knew that that Raekwon was going to eventually decommit, and just for I guess a weird sort of uh, I don't know kind of see things kind of fall out. North Carolina had decommitments on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Raekwon waited until Saturday, so it kind of ruined the <laughs> the uh, the trend going on that the that that we had. So yeah, so he was he was the fifth uh, UNC commit to decommit. Raekwon's was actually a little bit interesting to me, Don. I mean, I know that he had talked about uh, possibly opening up his recruitment even a little bit, but I actually thought that he might have stayed with the Tar Heels. Over the five names, Don, which was the one or, or even two that you were the most surprised that did end up decommitting from this class? For me, it was it was uh, Coleman Reich. And a lot of people are looking and say, okay, well, he was probably the the lowest ranked. And um, if you watch his film, you might you might think that he might not he might have been the worst of the group. And I'm not going to debate that. The one thing that one he has some speed, so he you know so he has he does have ability and he's versatile, which actually I think sometimes kind of worked against him. But for me, the kid was was committed to North Carolina for a year and a half. He went to. This season, he went to every single UNC home game. And last season, he went to all but one, I believe. I don't think there's a lot of UNC fans that can't say that. So to me, I mean, this kid definitely was committed to UNC, committed to the program. And he's an in-state kid. I know he's not from a powerhouse program or anything like that. So I was really surprised that, uh, that, that he decommitted and the staff didn't you know, make sure that he felt like, okay, you, you stay here. We're going to make sure that you're, you're taken care of and everything like that. So that really kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, Cause clearly I think that if he felt that way, he wouldn't have decommitted. So, um, so he's the one for me, as far as a talent standpoint, um, you know, I guess Raekwon, you know, just mm-hmm. because, um, you know, if you watch his film, I, he's in an area where it doesn't get a whole lot of uh, media attention, which does hurt. Now, even nowadays, it does hurt. I mean, yes, his, his film's on huddle and all that. But even with that, I mean, he played quarterback this past season. So it, it's kind of hard to see a lot of different things uh, that you need to see out of a wide receiver. And some schools, actually, I think we're looking at him as a defensive back. And, and I don't think he, he played any defense this year. But, yeah, I think that the, the lack of media attention really kind of hurt him. I and mean, his local newspaper in the entire county is only ran once a week. So that kind of tells you just what sort of, I guess, coverage he's receiving. I know um, I was always trying to find his stats each week, and it was impossible. You know? <laughs> so, but anyway, with all that being said, you watch his film. You, you know, we saw him at the Freak Show. Uh, he's exactly what North Carolina wanted out of an A-back, and that's probably why there was that, uh, that divorce between Anderson and UNC is because we don't know what offense UNC is running. I mean, nowadays it's you know some form of the spread, you know, whether it's like a true spread or if it's like a pro style spread or whatever. Um, so, but maybe it doesn't have that position like the A back that it's going to highlight, and so that maybe that kind of made it so that uh, the two sides just decide to kind of 
you know, do their own thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was probably from a talent standpoint, he was the one, I guess, for me. But um, from a just looking at all the factors, I was I was surprised by uh, Coleman Reich. Yeah, I completely agree with you about Raekwon because I think he had arguably the most untapped potential. So keyword there is untapped. But I think when you were looking at this class, he was someone that, yeah, I definitely think could have developed into a stronger uh, college player than what his ranking said. Yeah, and and if I could jump in real quick about his rankings. And this goes back to the, the coverage. I guarantee you, that nobody has gone down, no, you know, the recruiting guys who do the rankings, I bet you none of them have gone down to his high school to watch him play in a game. And so um, they watched him on film, and you can get, you definitely can get a lot from his film, but I think, you know, seeing a guy in person is, is important. I don't believe he went to any camps this offseason, so that's going to hurt you with the rankings also. But playing in the middle of nowhere, I tried to go down to his school, and if I really, really wanted to, I could have, but. I didn't realize just how in the middle of nowhere it is. It's actually, I, I thought, you know, not really kind of knowing until I did some research and, and map quested it out and everything. I thought it was only going to be a few hours from Atlanta. It's actually, I think like four or five and uh-huh. it's actually an hour away from Jacksonville, Florida. That's, you know, that's how far away it is from really everything in, uh, in Georgia. So it's not an easy place to get to. And in those situations, it, it does, that does hurt you. It really yeah. does. And so I would not look at his rankings and use that as the complete determinant on how good of a player he is. I would just look at his film, look at the footage we have from him from the Freak Show. I mean, he's definitely a player. What are your thoughts on Welton Spotsville, Don? Do you think that he will remain in the class? Because when you're talking about guys with untapped potential, I think he's also up there in this class. I do. I do. I talked to Welton on, uh, well, I talked to him actually Sunday after it happened. And then I think it was I think it was Wednesday, um, either either Tuesday or Wednesday. I spoke to him, and you know, no no wavering whatsoever in, in anything he told me. I, I talk I, I'm really close with his his uh, head coach Caleb King, and um, I probably talked to him almost every day last week, and he basically said the same thing. He didn't sense anything that he was looking around. And and the thing too is that North Carolina has made sure that he has felt like he is still wanted in this class, and I mean they sent. Uh, John Mark Hamilton, who is the player personnel director. And, uh, you know, normally John Mark Hamilton cannot go on the road, but he has been given that ability because North Carolina staff is, is shorthanded. So, um, so he went to his game. He spent some time at his, at his school on Friday. Uh, they, they actually won a big time um, a shootout on Friday. And they'll be, uh, if they win this week, this coming week, they'll play in the state championship uh, for the, I think it's the second season in a row. So, but um, you know, talking about about Spotsville, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think um, I think he's going to be a very solid player for North Carolina. You know, he comes from a great program that has consistently produced players. It's it's it has another sophomore that has like five uh, Power Five offers already. I mean, you know, this is a program that just just turns them out. You know, um, so uh, I mean, and he is the. I guess the go-to weapon is Anthony Harris, who's committed to Tennessee, but Anthony's playing quarterback. And when with Anthony at quarterback, they try to get the ball to Spotsville as much as they possibly can in a lot of different ways. They have him, a, they have him at Wildcat quarterback. They'll have him, you know, taking um, handoffs from the backfield, taking handoffs on on uh, jet sweeps. Uh, you know, they, they, and a lot of times it's just you know quick quick routes, give him the ball and let, let him break some tackles, let him make some moves for, for a touchdown. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think that he'll, 
you know, it's, it's hard to say because we don't know what North Carolina's offense is going to look like, but I think that UNC will definitely be able to find some sort of role within its offense for Spotsville. And I think him being from North Carolina is also a big time positive in, in his favor because Mac has said, I don't know how many times already in just the week he's been hired, how he and his staff are going to be hitting North Carolina and they just want to get those North Carolina players. Mac even you know brought out the, the quote unquote flagship statement, which uh, UNC fans loved there. Let me get my thoughts in here real quick, Don, because I think with, with the decommitments, a guy look like like Coleman Reich, I completely agree with you that it was unfortunate to see you know him decommit because even after uh, Mac Brown was hired, you know he tweeted out nothing but positive stuff, and he was really ready to to early enroll at Carolina. I think with him though, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think his position as a commit was kind of put up in the air with the change. At the in scheme, potentially, like you said, where, you know, recruits don't know what the offensive coordinator, what the defense coordinator is going to be and what and what type of schemes they're going to be doing at UNC. And I think with 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 Coleman in a certain scheme, you could take advantage of his speed because that's the one thing that he had at the power five level was his uh, front end was his straight line speed. But with the change now, I think he may have been a little bit of. You know, the coaches probably told him, hey, you know, we don't know if we necessarily will have a place for you moving forward. And I think you could say that about a few players. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a fair statement to to say, you think, at this point? Yeah, I think that when North Carolina initially offered him, they and this was uh, the summer prior to his junior year. He didn't have a position. They they kind of thought he was going to be a defensive back, probably a nickel, but they weren't sure. They tried him out at, at receiver, tried him out at DB during camp settings, but they just weren't sure. They liked his speed, and they felt like they could use his speed somewhere. And they figured, okay, we have two seasons to kind of figure this out. If And, and this happens with a lot of guys. If you, if you remember, I'm pretty sure on our podcast, and this is a while back, we had conversation about what is De'Ami Brown. Is he a safety or is he a wide receiver? Because early in his career, a lot of people thought he was a, was a safety and just thought he was just too raw, didn't have the route running ability, yada, yada, for to be a wide receiver. Well, what turned out was during the offseason prior to his, his senior year, he really, really kind of um, developed a lot of the, the, the little things necessary and became more of a polished receiver and actually ended up being a great receiver. And if you look at it now, I mean, he's – you know, started a bunch of games as a true freshman. So clearly that worked out. And it's the same sort of situation when North Carolina offered De'Ami Brown. They were like, okay, I don't know what he's going to be, but we're going to offer him. And we have a couple of seasons to kind of figure out just watching his tape. That never happened with Coleman. They never were able to kind of figure out where he was. And some of that was just the fact that his role every week for uh, Ledford High School changed. Because you know, based off the opponent, I mean, they're trying to win games. They're actually, I think they only have, I think it's only that one loss. And they're another team that if they win this Friday, they'll be playing in the state championship. And they're, and they're actually playing a team this Friday that they beat in the, in the regular season, like nine to seven. Um, so it's a team that they've beaten before. But obviously, it was a close game. But, but anyway, their number one goal is to win football games, not to help North Carolina figure out his uh, 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 
Coleman's uh, position. So I think that really kind of hurt him. The other thing I'll say is that, you know, while he has great speed, if you time him, he has great speed. He's a track kid. He's um, on his baseball team. He's a guy that they use I, almost strictly as a as a uh, base stealer. Uh, but on the football field, his speed doesn't always shine through. There's a couple plays you could point out, particularly there's a play, I think it was against, uh, I want to say Carborough, where he just completely just walked down a guy and he was a completely opposite side of the field and, and the kid was in the open field and he just, you you can literally see his speed and how quickly he's running and he just, you know, catches up with the guy and, and makes a, a huge tackle that prevented a touchdown. But you didn't always see that on on film. And I think that that kind of played in because there are guys, there are guys who, who, if you time them, they have tremendous speed and it doesn't show up on the field. And there are guys who, if you time them, um, they don't have very good speed, but on the football field, when you put on the tape, they're all over the place. They're where they need to be at all times. So that does happen. I think that was also a factor also. All right, let's go ahead and take another quick commercial break, Don. When we get back, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast by recapping the recruiting efforts that Mac Brown has done so far for the 2019 class. So we'll be right back after this. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Stop by one of the Jersey Mike stores in and around the Chapel Hill to get a delicious sub sandwich. Now there are five locations to choose from. The best thing is that if you use the code HEELS15, you get 15% off of your online order. Now that is good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's an online code only. So this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com slash order or use the Jersey Mike's app and click the location nearest to you. Choose your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter HEELS15 and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and then you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15. Order online and pick up your sub. That's HEELS15. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan. So, Don, let's go ahead and wrap it up, man, by recapping a little bit of what Mac Brown was doing on the recruiting trail last week for the 2019 class. To me, the most important thing that Mac Brown has done is remained in constant contact with Sam Howell. I think, though, like you said, that will ultimately come down to who UNC hires as, as offensive coordinator. But to me, he is the most important, quote unquote, recruit, because even though he's a Florida State commit, you know, he's still being heavily recruited by UNC and that door is open, as you said. So if Mac is going to land anyone in this class, I think that would be my number one guy. But, you know, kind of recap what else Mac was doing, because, you know, he has been visiting a bunch of guys that were interested in Carolina, but committed elsewhere. So what are you at liberty to tell us as of right now on a podcast that can be listened to by anybody? All right. Well, I know I could definitely tell you that uh, he visited a bunch of guys on Thursday, Friday, or well, actually started on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and the one that I know for sure that the the powers that be at Inside Carolina won't have any issue with me mentioning is... Uh, Mac Brown's first stop was Kelly Bryant on Wednesday. And by all accounts, that visit went really, really well. 
The unfortunate thing is, I, I think it was the very next day or maybe the day afterwards, a report came out saying that uh, Kelly Bryant was down to two schools and one of them was not North Carolina. Although it there wasn't quoting anyone close to Bryant. It wasn't um, quoting Kelly himself. So, you know, you always kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. And there's always, there's throughout this recruitment, there's always been these kind of, um, you know, top threes, top twos that, that aren't supported by, by uh, Kelly Bryant and his, and his people. So, but anyway, so uh, that was the first one. There's a bunch of other ones. We have a rundown where, where, you know, some of them we we have an idea of where he where uh, Mac Brown went, but we haven't received, I guess, um, or we received either, I guess, information that was not uh, not matching up, or we can't completely verify through a reliable reliable source. Um, but for the most part, everything that we're able to confirm with near one hundred percent certainty, we have posted. There's there's visits to recruits who are committed to other schools that UNC has recruited previously. There's uh, visits to uh, commits. There's visits to, you know, top targets. Um, so I urge everyone to check it out. I mean, we, Inside Carolina message board has been buzzing, which is great because the season has to be blunt kind of has sucked as yeah. far as the message board. It's been a miserable place. It's, um, you know, it's one of those, you know, you don't, if you're not having a good day, you did not want to go on Inside Carolina message board during the season because it would just make your day worse. Now it's buzzing. Everybody's, you know, most people are more, are more positive. A lot of information. Greg Barnes is is kicking ass, if I'm allowed to say that, with with the information that he's posting and and being on top of everything. With and and this past week was crazy. So I got to give uh, Greg and and Ben Sherman, who doesn't like credit for anything. I got to give uh, those guys credit. Uh, Buck Sanders, obviously, but yeah. Make sure that you're on Inside Carolina, especially during the week. I know everybody's working, but uh, and there's just tons of information, and um, you know we're posting as much recruiting information as we possibly can. We actually, you know, last week alone, we we posted a story on on Sam Howe after talking with uh, his father. We posted a story on Jaden McKenzie, who's a top target defensive lineman from uh, uh, Wake Forest High School. Uh, we posted uh, reactions from the commits right after. Mac Brown, oh, I'm sorry, right after Larry Fedora was fired and then right after Mac Brown was hired. Uh, there's been a couple of other things we've posted. I mean, we're, you know, we're on top of it um, as much as we possibly can because there's a lot of moving parts and, you know, there's some guys who might not want to speak at the moment because of the uncertainty and everything like that. But as much as any other site you'll find, we're, we're on top of it. Yeah, that will be our plug for everyone to sign up for Inside Carolina's premium tar pit message board because that's where you will get the instant scoops uh you know information will eventually filter down to the free board but the premium board is where it starts at so don let's go ahead and finish the podcast with this as things stand right now today your best guess do you see carolina flipping any of the potential recruits that mac brown has seen don't have to to give a specific name if you're not, if you can't, but just do you think that Carolina fans should have a glimmer of hope that that could happen with the 2019 class? I think it definitely could happen. I'm not at the point right now where if I was posting a mock class where I would, would project any flips, but that opinion could change 
tomorrow based on whatever information I get between now and then. So, but I could see there is some potential out there for sure. All right. Well, that's a good little tease there. I encourage everyone to, like we said, be on the Inside Carolina message board, get that up-to-date information. And I think it's fair to say, Don, pay close attention to who's going to be in Chapel Hill because isn't there a big-time official visit weekend coming up this weekend? Yeah, we didn't even get into that. Yes, there is a huge official visit weekend. This is the biggest official visit weekend of the entire 2019 cycle. Uh, all the commits will be there. Um, all you know, UNC is trying to get all of its top targets, including J.D. McKenzie that we spoke about. I think that you'll you'll see some of these guys that North Carolina is trying to flip will be taking official visits. Um, nothing confirmed yet, but I think it's safe to say it wouldn't surprise me if Sam Howe makes the cameo. He's already taken his official visit to North Carolina, so he can't do that. But uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's on campus. You know, just to kind of talk to some coaches and, and uh, hang out. Um, so yeah, so this, this coming weekend is huge. Um, it just, it speaks volumes about how much information we have this past week that we kind of forget about this, this big official visit weekend coming up, you know, and, and that's kind of the last thing we talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think at this point too, because we are, we do record this particular podcast early in the week, you know, the names, like you said, Don, they're not confirmed at all yet. That'll happen later on in the week. So, you know, I, I really do encourage everybody to pay attention to that because if, if Mac is going to be able to, to persuade some guys to flip their commitments, it has to start this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at the very least lay the, the groundwork for that to happen. Some guys might want to go back home and kind of rethink things. I think especially if you've been committed to a school for several months, you don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction and, and just flip your commitment. Although, you know, it, it wouldn't be the first time a, a recruit has done that. But I think um, a lot of guys will, will want to at least go home, talk it over with their family, let the high of the, of the visit kind of wear off before making a decision. Uh, but I think that this signing day, this December signing period, has the potential to to, to be – Pretty dramatic for North Carolina. All right. Well, hey, that sounds like a great place to leave this one, Don. We'll see if we can maybe do a quick podcast later on the week discussing some of the names that that you expect that could be there on Friday. But we'll go ahead and wrap this one for now. Appreciate you joining me as always, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. 